Welcome back to another episode of Hear Me Out. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Hear Me Out. I am your host, Danielle Corey, and we're going to get right into it with this week's guest, who is very special to me as she is my little sister. Please welcome Melissa Corey. Hello, I'm very grateful to be here. Thank you for joining today. This is going to be a really good episode in terms of diving into personal experience stories and really talking about body image, body dysmorphia, and eating disorders. Yes. But before we go into that, I want to play a brief, quick little game and talk about our pits and peak of the week. And we are going to do it in a game mode. So we're going to have one minute to talk about our highs and lows of the week. I'm calling it pit and peak in 60. All right, Melissa, you can start. Please give your pit and peak of the week in 60 seconds. I will have a timer. You can do whichever order you want. Okay. Give a little inside scoop into what's been going on in Melissa Corey's life. Here we go. Ready? And go. Okay. So uh, the pit of my week, which is the worst part, correct? Correct. Um, Was unfortunately this morning. I had work at like 7 a.m. and I had to leave from Brooklyn. So my day started at 4 a.m. Definitely the pit. Okay. So my peak was Friday. I watched the USA women's uh, soccer game with my soccer team. So that was a lot of fun. And you know, feminism, women's sports needs more uh, media. So that was like really awesome to just celebrate that. Amazing. Wow. You did that in half the time. That was 30 seconds. Yeah. Wonderful. I was also a little stressed, but it's no, okay. I, I saw the beads rolling <laughs> down. <laughs> the veins popping out. <laughs> no, that was great. Okay. I'll give myself one minute as well. Okay. Let's hear Here it. Here we go. My pit of the week is that I have to go back to work tomorrow after being off for 14 days. So that's insane. How did I not know that? It was a wonderful vacation break. My peak of the week was that I was off for 14 days. <laughs> so I was able to travel to Rhode Island, Connecticut. I saw family, Ooh. got to stay at some hotels, went to some friends' houses. And so it was a very well-deserved, needed vacation break. So I'm now just mentally preparing to go back to work tomorrow. Good oh, job. And that was 25 seconds. We did it good. Let's go. Now I want to transition into our main conversation, which, like I mentioned before, is going to focus around body image, body dysmorphia, and eating disorders. So as always, I have a quote of the episode, and this week is, what makes the whole issue even worse is that usually this body ideal is actually unattainable and created through tricks of the camera, makeup, stylist, and obviously Photoshop, which means that even the people who are purporting these body ideals don't have these bodies. So that's quote is in regards to asking about the ideal body. Wow, that's a great quote. So what do you think of that? Very accurate. Really, there's just a societal game is what I like to call it. And nobody actually knows the rules. Nobody actually knows how to win. And it's constantly changing and it's draining and very, very tiring. And you're all you have. You have no subs. So I think that really taking a step back, that quote highlights it, that, you know, it's, it's unattainable. Um, actually, I was an editor and writer for a magazine, a fashion magazine, and we did dive into some taboo topics, and I was fortunate enough to write um, an article about plastic surgery and kind of the pros and cons of it. You know, we double-edged sword. It's like, 
own your body, but also like you do you, you know, if, if you don't right. love something, why shouldn't you have the power to control that and change it? And it's a, it's a fine line, but, um, it's very interesting. So that, that definitely reminded me of, uh, a lot of those issues and the reason they are taboo is because they're not talked about a lot and there's a lot of solving to be to be done absolutely and I also think going off of that these women and girls I'll say specifically are looking at you know Instagram models or mm-hmm. other influencers and seeing this quotation marks ideal body yeah but they're not realizing that the influencers themselves are shrinking their waist oh. expanding other parts of themselves. So like that's not even real. And yet that very fake image is what is inspiring or warping the other, you know, regular people in society's Mm -hmm. body image about themselves. But meanwhile, that's not even real. And I think that's the issue because everyone then at that point is having unattainable visions of what they should look like when the people themselves who are putting that content out there don't even look like that. A hundred percent. Children are becoming more exposed to media through television, phones, social media at younger ages, which I think is causing girls specifically to become more aware of their body image at a younger age. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. everything we're already saying is now just heightened, but at a younger age, which just naturally causes more stress, more levels of anxiety, more comparison. So the more media is out there and the easier it is to obtain it, at a younger age, it's stemming from that. So would you, like, say you've also seen that from your perspective? A hundred percent, you know, firsthand. I babysit often in the summer, and um, the girls, yeah, like, all their friends, everyone that age now has smartphones. That's what you start out with. So really no fault of their own or their parents at all, but it's a different type of normalcy now. And even on Snapchat, they have now this retouch filter. So it's not really a filter, so nobody really knows that you're using it. Oh. It doesn't sh- It doesn't out you, but you just click it, and it takes away your... Um, dark circles, it takes away like your freckles, smooths you out, and it's as simple as that. The parents saying, don't eat this, it has sugar, don't eat this, it has this, like that is definitely a pressure too, and a pressure that you're seeing with a lot of these food diaries that people are posting on TikTok or Snapchat, or the pressure from, you know, um, outside sources. It's, It's a lot of stuff, and the media, no matter what message you're getting out, it's gonna get there faster. And it's dangerous. Yeah. If you're restricting or limiting what people are eating and Mm -hmm. you know that is dangerous especially to girls who are growing up right and even if you want to like you know give people benefit of the doubt that okay well they're doing research on this information and that's that's the other issue media even if someone's not trying to portray you know they're just trying to write an article about food like you and you're not checking the source and you take that in and now you're projecting that on you know like your children or the environment that you're in like You might not have terrible intentions, but the media is where you can draw that back to on the rapid, you know, spread of communication, which is a great thing, but it needs some boundaries. And and that's honestly, like, a lot of laws are actually currently being, um, you know, created and debated on that, on censoring the amount of time that children can spend online and because you really can't control, and we shouldn't control, right, like, what um, is being said, but... They're impressionable minds. Absolutely. Very well said. So going off of that, I think, you know, children and even teens just being so exposed to social media and Mm -hmm. all of these factors, this then affects their self-esteem 
They can develop body negativity towards themselves and in some cases lead to eating disorders and other body problems down the line. Yeah. So it's exposing them to just everything mm-hmm. earlier on without the knowledge to help them overcome those obstacles because they just haven't hundred percent been exposed to that yet. Yeah, and I think a big thing of that too, which is which is actually an approach that I use now and I started it like three years ago. What we're talking about is the media, right? And we can't, we can't uh, fix it with just snapping our fingers. Mm-hmm. But I try to just cultivate like a following that is truly authentic people, uh, friends, family, keep it small. And um, like there's this Instagram account that I really, really love. It's called Purposely Angelica. Mm-hmm. And she just she highlights that there's healthy bodies at every size and that it looks different in every way. And just really, right? Like you don't realize, I don't go on Instagram that much, but subconsciously I see her name pop up. I see the quotes and that's what's permeating my brain now. No longer the um, influencers or the models that, yeah, maybe I didn't engage. I didn't like see what their skincare routine was, but constantly seeing that as the norm, I've seen three years down the road now that that has lifted kind of uh, societal pressure off my off my shoulders we have to unlearn to relearn exactly I was just gonna say it's almost like they were taught like the way society is the social norms they were almost just taught Mm -hmm. subconsciously yeah that sits in the back of their mind all of these types of issues and I think you worded it really well what did you just say you said we have to unlearn yeah unlearn to relearn that's been my entire college experience and I've learned just intangible skills and through experiences that I'm so grateful for and like why I'm so excited to to talk about this um but that being said like this is my experience I'm no expert so take everything with a grain of salt this is just my experience and you know furthering the conversation so I want to thank you for your vulnerability and openness because I do believe these conversations can help others experiencing the same thoughts or feelings and emotions that you had at one point. So I do want to talk a little bit about your experience with an eating disorder, if you can go into that. Yes. Aha, here we are. <laughs> um, I'm honestly really grateful to have a platform to speak about it. Um, so... My journey with, I guess, eating disorders, it started with disordered eating, disordered thoughts, um, and it started in 2019. So that's when I got to college. I was at American University at the time in Washington, D.C. And just a little bit about me um, prior, because it really does kind of paint the picture. I succeeded um, at most things that I tried in high school, and I say that like not to sound arrogant at all, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate that being used to that high achieving and high reward and validation um, environment. What I mean by that is um, I was on autopilot in high school. Didn't think about food. I was an athlete. I fueled my body, ate what I want, did exercise every day. Not by choice. It was it was a team environment. Um, and that was awesome. So I got to college, kind of did soccer, didn't really because uh, COVID hit. Same thing with dance. So didn't really have a place to be. Didn't have many friends. Uh, was going through a breakup at the time. And my father uh, lost his job, got laid off during COVID. And my mom and I were the, apart for the first time and going through some of our own struggles. So, you know, in hindsight, my, my eating disorder therapist uh, said, well, that's what we call a perfect storm. Kind of every little uh, part of my life was 
changed and negatively affected. And the difference was it, not one thing was so, so drastic that anyone really paid any mind to it, myself included. It kind of snuck up and crept up. It was like a few little things at the same time. Yeah, like just everything was changing a little bit. I felt a loss of control. And subconsciously, um, I I didn't realize any of that until my eating disorder behaviors came to be. Very quickly, I realized I had what's called bulimia nervosa. So for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, there's many eating disorders. Um, And bulimia nervosa is categorized by binge eating and then purging. So what purging could be, it could be anything from vomiting to laxative use to over-exercising to extreme um, restricting, restriction. Um, I, and I, if it's okay with you, this is taboo. I would like to be like graphic about it. Please um, do. Because this is your story. This is yeah. your experience. And I do think like I wanted to have an episode about this because yeah. I know there are multiple people just struggling all over with this type of 100%. eating disorder. So I want you to be as authentic and as open as you would like. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully this inspires other people to get the necessary help, treatment, or just, like, a friend to speak to you about. Yeah, so, I think everyone should be insightful into this. Don't whether, hold back. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's great. Eating disorders are very graphic. For me, bulimia was so graphic. Like, thinking about it, I've never, like talked about it in that way. So it started out slow, kind of. Actually, actually, it started out by me wanting to go vegan, which thus learning, that's actually a red flag. Like when you just want to go vegan from nowhere, because that's the less calories, all that stuff. So I started out really just restricting my intake until obviously I was still kind of playing soccer and you just need energy. Like that's what food is, right? It's, it's energy. Mm-hmm. Calories, they're just energy. One day I got super hungry late at night and I found anything I could. My roommate was out at the time. I found anything I could to just munch on. And I had my Netflix on so I wasn't consciously eating. And that's what I did. And then I felt uncomfortably full. Like when I say that, like the portions, there's a difference between overeating and binge eating. And binge eating is what you'd eat probably, for me, it was truly what I could eat in like an entire day. Meals, snacks, like whatever I could get, you know, my eyes on and it just got more severe. It's just, it's wild. You, it's this loss of control is what I would describe it as. Now what I remember is right at the time, I'm in a dorm room. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, now like this is, this is the graphic part to me because you're, you're, you want control, but you want secrecy and you don't want anyone to know. And being in a dorm is quite hard when you're sharing communal bathrooms. Sure. So what would I do? I'd find the handicapped bathroom or I'd go downstairs. But this whole, as you're trying to figure it out, all I can, all I felt was this like heavy, dark, like feeling coupled with the go, go, go. I just have to like, like this obsessive compulsion. Mm. It's really, it's, it's anyone that's, gone through something similar knows it's kind of a push and pull of like one part of you wants to hide this and be like everything's fine I'm I'm so good what are you talking about if I if I ran into someone in the hallway on my way down to the bathroom I would have to be normal right right so it's in you to code switch but the other part of you the part that right I was 
broken up with. Um, I was starting a new school. I hated what I was doing. I wasn't close with my family. Like all that stuff just wants you to suck you into it a little bit more. And so in the beginning, oh my gosh, that dichotomy was so difficult to kind of manage. COVID hit, come home, things just got worse. You're in the house 25-7. At that point, you know, I was focusing on my studies so much less because you wake up, you think of food. Should I eat it? Should I not? Is it good? Is it bad? I'm doing nothing, but I want to look good because I want to post pictures. Like, it's, it's just every racing thought. So all that, right? But I also want to be me and normal. And, but I couldn't pause. I couldn't pause because life kept going, and that's what I felt. So every day I'd wake up, and I'd be a little excited because I'm like, this is a fresh start. I can, I'll be okay. But then I have an assignment due, or... Uh, my friend wants to see me, or I have to schedule classes. And then I get stressed, and then I lose control, and then I binge eat. So it sounds like almost the common denominator, or at least what starts all of these other feelings, is the loss of control. Right. Because then you lose focus. You start to lose maybe even motivation of what you wanted to do that day because something might alter and now that loss of control is what is spiraling everything else to fall into this place of Mm -hmm. fear and angst and overthinking and anxiety and that leads to these types of behaviors. Yeah. I think that with most eating disorders, it stems from that lack of control. Part of my healing was understanding what I can control, right? Sure. Maybe like the food I eat or, you know, whatever. But, but I don't have to let it control my feelings, my emotions, my who I am. So another thing I'm thinking about as you're saying all of this is a specific word. And I don't want it to come off the wrong way. And maybe you can explain a little bit why as to why I might be thinking about this. But mm-hmm. it almost seems like people who struggle with an eating disorder almost have some type of calculation to them. Like... For example, when you said walking down the hall, put on a happy face and then you purge and then you're coming back and you're acting again, but you wake up and you don't know how your day will be and you're stressed, but then you're happy and you want to have a good day. But it's the secrecy part of it too. So it almost sounds calculated. It sounds like you're constantly on and like thinking from different angles and viewing situations from different perspectives. And that sounds so draining. And that's like a big part I feel of individuals with eating disorders, they're just constantly thinking of like the next move, but it sounds like calculated. And I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what I wanted to say. No, no, I totally understand what you're saying. And and the the points are all very true. To touch on that, to answer that, the secrecy, which is what I mentioned, right? And you're saying calculated. And and I was thinking about that. It's almost calculated for survival because it's rooted in shame, right? Mm -hmm. Like anything that we keep secret, it's usually because some part of us is embarrassed, is shameful, is doesn't want that for us. Right. Um, and that's a really hard thing to convince yourself of. Right. So let's try to control our environment because we don't want to, we want to postpone that feeling of shame for as long as you can. So I think that that's where the calculation comes in. And the other part is like, I wouldn't say calcu- calculated, um, which I know is not what you meant, but um, eating disorders are a mental illness. They are categorized in the DSM-5. So that go, 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 that need to be calculated is truly because it's a mental illness. It disrupts your emotions, your, um, 
your thought processes, your literally how you view yourself, um, which we'll talk about later too, and genetics, nature, nurture, all that stuff. So it's so much and it is very tiring. Yeah. Um, like Thank you, said, you for clearing that up yeah. because I think that is actually such a perfect way yeah. to put into clearer terms as to what I was thinking as you were speaking. And I think that just makes absolute perfect sense. Thank you. So do you want to discuss a little bit into the next school? So you did transfer to Mm -hmm. Delaware. Do you want to share an experience about how that transition went and what you were going through as you made the transfer to a new school? Sure. Yes. So we left off at uh, 2020 COVID family whole thing. And then the world slowly started to open up. And so I said, okay, back to college. Now during this um, interim, like I was getting some help, which we'll go into later, but was I where I am now in the recovery process? No, but I felt a little bit better. I was like, let me go back. Now, (laughs) what was my major at Delaware? (laughs) Nutrition and dietetics. And I laugh at this now because again, it's, it was a control thing. If I had to learn, I wanted to learn about food, nutrition, this and that. Because I thought it was like science is power, which sure it is. But when you're dealing with a mental illness and you're in the process of of all that, that's not going to be the first step at all. (laughs) That's not where you go to. That's the quickest way to send you right back, which is what happened. Relapse, another part of the recovery. So at this point, I moved in with uh, roommates who... We're, we're, for the most part, great. Like, I was lucky. But we had our separate rooms, separate bathrooms, like, back to the graphic. That that solved my issue that I had um, when I was dorming. Right, now, now I had, you had your right, own space. It was COVID, entirely. so, like, nobody really hung out much. You were doing nothing. I transferred to the school. I knew no one. That was the lowest of the low for me. I started not going to any of my online classes. I would have failed out of that semester if I hadn't um, gone home. But the eating just, I could order whatever I wanted, get it delivered to my door, go in my own room, stay there. Um, I did have a job, so money became an issue, right? Because you're spending loads and loads on delivery um, ingredients. It was like paycheck to paycheck. And that's, that's an addiction right there, right? That's right. the same as buying drugs, buying alcohol. It is an addiction. So that causes a financial stress. I had a project to do for my nutrition class, and it was basically counting calories, which I stopped, like, nutrition dietetics for many reasons, but I truly believe that it needs to be updated with what we're learning. Now I'm like, oh, shit. I have to lie because I'm eating, like, nothing, this was, this was my thought process for you. Again, back to the shame. Right. How do I get out of this? If I reported everything I'm eating in a binge, insane. I don't even know how many calories that would be. Right. But in my mind, I, like, I felt fake. I didn't even feel like real. I didn't know. And now I'm like, now I have to lie. And I, but I wanted to sound healthy. And this is the scariest thing. I really genuinely think I reported 700 calories for my day. As a report. I just want to interject for one moment, maybe to also offer some clarification for anyone who's listening. How many calories do you know are you supposed to have in a day? Oh, yes. That's important. Um, I believe it's uh, for women like 2,000. So you were reporting 700. 700. That's like not like maybe a meal. Right. That's low, everyone. Like like what? (laughs) And I remember it was like RX bar. Okay. Um, Salad. A bunch of fruits. And like... 
it was just insane. And that, that voice inside me, right? This was my lowest low. That day, I binged and purged three times. Three times. So talk about graphic. That, that I wanted to talk about my lowest low, like that was it. I just cried, I was shivering. I didn't feel like myself. And I will tell you that that is when that little guy inside me that was always knew that this was gonna pass was like, I, I, it's time now. And I started writing and I started doing all that stuff. It was like really, really helpful. Anyway, so that was like the worst of the worst at Delaware. And I went home that semester and I emailed all my professors with the help of like my mom and I passed the semester. I did great. I was responded with like so much love by the professors. I'm so grateful for that. That was the turning point. I went back to Delaware the next semester. I lived with three girls who are still some of my best, my best oh, friends. Good. And a lot of things that triggered my eating disorder to come out were healed with my wow. time being there. Wow. Yeah. And that also kind of leads into just how necessary it is, a support system, oh, yeah. how important those types of people are in an individual who is going through, overcoming, recovering from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. They make all the difference. Just people you feel comfortable with, you feel like will support you and uplift you at your lowest yeah. points. And how nice that you had some girls at that time you could rely on. I didn't want to tell anyone, like, at all. But then I also realized, okay, I just need social interaction. Like, I need friends. Like, I need to just remember who I am away from my own, like, isolation. And so, for me, a bunch of people, like my theater friends or whatever, they didn't need to be the people that knew my background because I had fun with them. I was just present, and that was, that was you know, useful for me. And then there were my roommates who I was, like, told everything to, you right. know? And now it's come to a point where I... I think literally yesterday with my friend, I was like, oh yeah, well girl, I had an eating disorder too. So like, I just right. like threw it out. And, and I say that with, you know, respect because it took me a long ass time to sure. get there. But sure. you know, it's just that shame is now, is something that doesn't even cross my mind anymore. So it, it's cool to see the trend, the transition of it, but it was the hardest thing to reach out to someone. And you know, this day, I'm sure you remember it because it was the hardest day of my life was um, when I had to tell the four of you guys at home that I had an eating disorder because that was part of the recovery. And all the lead up to that, Mm -hmm. the actually doing it, hardest thing ever, Danielle, the feeling the millisecond after the words came out of my mouth. The best feeling ever. Oh, it's like that. Like I'm gonna cry. It's I know. amazing. Oh, and that and that feeling, just being absolutely lifted off your shoulders. And like you said, the millisecond. Like, yeah. imagine holding on to all of that for so long, That's where right. the comparison is a millisecond of like the relief that you had felt over like the right. you know two years you were carrying something so heavy. It was also a very big moment in my life when Melissa decided to come and tell me and my sibling something she had been struggling with for a while. And I'm a worrier, so (laughs) I am fiercely loyal and protective of those I love. And so it was also a learning curve for me to then be able to find the tools and resources of how I could then best support my sister without, you know, ever triggering anything that might remind her of like her past or an experience she overcame. So it's important to also, you know, do your research 
on the other end, but more so than that, just be there for them and listen and know that you're there to support them and let them know that you're here for anything they face in the future. And so it really was a growing experience for everyone in the family, but I really think brought everyone so much closer and made us more united and connected and available for any other types of, you know, struggles that we all faced Mm -hmm. together. I feel like I have to say this for mom to be like all right I'm I'm officially this is my official apology whoa here we um, go mom listen up <laughs> you're so right and that's that's what it is but in the moment mom did her research mom was there for me and I still made it a point to kind of just like be pissed off at like yeah. everything she tried to do and and truly that was because I was breaking an addiction um True. I just wanted my fix and I knew that my mom, who knows me inside and out, is going to see what I'm doing before I even do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that. So now I'm like, you know, like that was a whole thing to get through. So it was not all Care Bears and Rainbows. It was a growing experience for all of us. And I am very appreciative that you guys were there for whatever I needed, whenever I needed. Self-esteem and body image go hand in hand. And I think when you manipulate one, it affects the other. So positive self-talk, knowing your self-worth, loving and being proud of who you are, and everything you have to offer will positively impact how you view yourself and others. So, you know, on the other hand of that then, if you don't have the greatest self-esteem, you're naturally going to look in the mirror and maybe not love what you see or feel proud of who you are. Do you think that ever affected your mindset as you went through this process? Did you ever have like negative self-talk and did you feel like that kind of coincided with how you then felt or presented yourself or how you acted towards others? Yes. Very good question. Um, Totally. I was confused at first why I had an eating disorder in the first place because I didn't think to be the person that like really like looked at my body that much or just really, you know, I I love my body at the, you know, but I didn't think about it that much. But then all of a sudden I didn't love my career. I didn't, I lost a relationship. So I felt alone. I didn't feel like I was smart enough to be in the school that I was at. So all those negative Mm self-talks and like, wow, you're not even playing soccer anymore. You're not even dancing anymore. All those things that I thought were my identity, my self-esteem plummeted. And then all of a sudden, my body came in because I was like, all right, well, you know, if I look like how Barbie is supposed to look, then at least I'll get some attention and that'll distract me from reminding myself that I'm not doing X, Y, or Z. But then, like, you know, I realized, hey, my, my worth is not associated with my quantity of what I'm able to accomplish, um, way easier said than done but once that started to change all of a sudden I was like oh my god like my little like side like roll is back like and I forgot how much I've fallen in love like now I do look at my body but with joy and respect and love like it is my home and I will keep her clean and healthy and happy louder for the people in the back Melissa yes it's really the same body but it's different eyes it's a different mind You've been going through the process of recovery and treatment options now. What would you recommend for someone struggling with their body image? It can be a treatment route or just advice for someone who also has an eating disorder or for someone just trying to navigate and overcome the pressures of beauty in society. Oof. 
Okay. I know, lengthy. Take no, your time. but <laughs> yeah, all very important. So starting small, I think something you can do right now is go into your social media and mute the food, food diaries, mute um, the TikTok-like, you know, uh, recipes. Go on Instagram, like unfollow some people, refollow like new people, start small. Um, if you're into reading, do some research about it. Poetry has helped me so much. There's so many amazing um, and young, knowledgeable writers who are just, you know, expressing everything we're talking about in ways that, you know, when I was depressed and didn't want to read scientific, you know, journals about eating disorders because it was overwhelming, sure. I could turn to a line of poetry that said, breathe in, breathe out. And that was so helpful. So like whatever works for you, writing has helped me a lot as well. Just writing down my thoughts, um, music. So those are all things that you can do right now as just a way to kind of pause. If a lot of this conversation is resonating with you, um, that might mean that things are more severe and that's okay. But that means that I would recommend maybe taking some steps to seek out um, help that's a little bit more serious. So therapy, I'm sure you've talked about it a we lot in here. We love it. We love it here. Therapy. And I actually found a wonderful therapist who is an art therapist as well. She was certified in that. So what do we do? She, I like, we draw. Yeah, drawing, painting. Prompts. I've heard a lot about art therapy. Yes, it is I would incredible. actually love to try it as well. There's art therapy, there's swim therapy, there's music therapy, dance therapy. I also then transitioned to a dietitian. So that was, so the therapy was obviously for the mental illness part of the eating disorder. Um, what goes along with that is the physical part. So like you do need nutrients, you do need the amount of calories. Um, and that, what I learned with my dietitian, I plate my food and be, just be intentional about my meals. So I'll put them on a plate. That's what we call it. Like even if you're having Oreos, like the idea is you get a plate yeah. and you try to, you don't watch TV, you just sit there like, and the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit. And that was something that was really helpful. But the other thing that I still do is fear foods. I try to incorporate at least one quote-unquote fear food of the day. So what I learned... What is a fear food? Yes, what is a fear food? Um, so it can be different for everyone. During my uh, eating disorder, like I was very fearful of desserts, right? Mm-hmm. Anything sweet, didn't want it. Um, even like at some point, like beef, like beef was scary to me because I just thought that, oh my gosh, it's gonna trigger my like binging or it's gonna make me gain weight. I'm gonna get fat, like all that stuff. So those are foods that I was scared of. So like I remember one therapy session, she's like, what is the food that you just don't wanna eat? I was like, a donut. She's like, all right. She's like, I think you should get a donut today. I was at that point. So oh, I texted wow. her a picture of me at the mall with a donut. Oh. And like, you just, cause you know what? you'll be okay. Yeah. You'll be okay. And sometimes there were times I had fear foods and it triggered, um, it triggered a, a binge, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that was hard. But then I started noticing even when that happened, my mind was more forgiving and I wouldn't purge then. So like, that's the, the other thing, like part of my bulimia was restriction and all that stuff, like, and, and binging. And it's a whole spectrum. You don't just have one often. It's, it's a lot of, lot of things, but, um, you, you can find little small wins, even if it's like your mind is slightly more aware, um, during that time. So, um, yeah, fear foods, I think everyone should do it. It's really, really it becomes fun. Yeah. You become proud of yourself. I think getting a specialized therapist for what you're going through is of the utmost importance. You deserve to feel 
validated, understood. So when possible, I love offering hotlines and contact information for organizations and groups that pertain to what we spoke about today. So I do briefly want to provide the NEDA's contact information, otherwise known as National Eating Disorder Association. They are the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting individuals and families affected by eating disorders. The NEDA supports individuals and families like I mentioned, affected by eating disorders, and they actually serve as as a catalyst for prevention, cures, and access to quality care. So I'll definitely link their contact information in the episode description as well, just so if you or anyone you know or love needs this type of reference or referral, you know where to access it from this podcast. Melissa, did you want to add anything else? Yes. This conversation about eating disorders has obviously been through my perspective, but I do feel through um, just like what I've learned that a lot of people are like undiagnosed, like it doesn't get reported. Um, Fortunately, like a lot of women of color just, they get undiagnosed. Even like men, I, I've, I was talking to this guy for a little bit and legitimately he, he told me that he didn't eat until dinner and he would have like a slice of pizza and then go to the gym. And I was like, oh my triggered. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's sad because that is, um, in eating disorder. It's happening to men, and, like, I just want them to know that there's support. There are groups for... I go to sometimes, like, groups with friends who have um, eating disorders, Um, and you can find, like, your little community if you feel that maybe you are not being represented or you feel alone. Eating disorders are not just a female issue. Or a skinny person issue. Correct, correct. It affects people across the spectrum, And so if it affects you or again, anyone you know, we will provide the resources for you. As we close out, I just want to talk from like the sister's perspective, but I mean, Melissa, you were so articulate and I I might cry (laughs) and everything you said was just so beautifully said. Okay. I am crying. (laughs) I am so proud of the achievements and accomplishments you've made along the way of recovery to see how far you've come is the only word I can think of is inspiring really and I do hope that anyone out there who may feel alone or feel like they're going through the same emotions Melissa felt in the past I really hope Melissa's experiences and stories inspire you to just reach out and connect and seek any type of help you need because I think she is a perfect example of what the other side looks like. The struggles were there, but she put the work in, she got the help, she did her research, and I feel like I can confidently say she is sitting on the other side on like a pedestal and is thriving in almost every aspect of life. And we are all a work in progress too. So I never want to call someone like you're absolute perfection because we always have things to work on. But the transition you have made is remarkable. But thank you. Like, thank you so, so much. My gratitude for what has happened, like, and my gratitude for having you and what these troubles have brought um, to me now is just something that I would not trade for the world at all. So thank you, because I know for sure that most people do not have a sister where, um, that they even feel comfortable, like, borrowing clothes from, let alone, you know, entrusting you with 
my biggest struggles and that will never change. So thank you. <laughs> that concludes another episode of Hear Me Out. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Hear Me Out Official DK. Melissa, would you like to share your Instagram information? Sure. My Instagram is melissa.noel. Um, that is spelled N-O-E-L-L-E. Yes, and please, seriously, reach out um, any questions, any info. I love helping people. It is what I hope to do for the rest of my life. Be gentle with yourself, too. Be gentle with yeah. yourself. I love it. Thank <laughs> you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you.